0: is Mishmash, a weekly conversation where we try to unjumble an important and sometimes under the radar statewide issue that affects you. Jake, you and I have covered many a late night in the state (laughs) legislature. I'm talking 24-hour day late nights. I'm talking well past bar closing time late nights. (laughs) And while sometimes it was because a specific issue was being hammered out, usually those late nights were because it was the final weeks of a lame duck session.
1: Yeah, the old dead bills walking season. Uh, It's the time right after an even year election when there are many people that are, you know, termed out or they just lost an election don't really have a lot of accountability uh, to people Uh, it's almost universally despised because it causes these bills controversial bills to be rushed through in a very short amount of time very little chance of debate or legitimate oversight and that's especially true when you have a political party losing either the governor's office or a chamber like we saw a couple years ago in 2018.
0: Uh, 2018. That was <laughs> whew, a lot of memories from 2018. <laughs> but it sounds like there could possibly be changes on the horizon to how things are done in those lame duck years.
1: That's right. Uh, there's an amendment in the state legislature that would require a two-thirds majority vote to pass any bill following a November election in an even-numbered year, and that cleared the House.
0: Right. And this is something that has been tried before. Republican Representative Gary Howell has really been trying to rally his colleagues to end those late night fever-pitched legislating of lame Duck for years now and it, it just even he, though he's a Republican in a Republican majority he has not really had any luck with this maybe it's because they like all the pizza and taco dinners that we always smell <laughs> in the press gallery <laughs> that they're eating as they're legislating
1: yeah that's but but for real I mean it might be different this time I mean not only did the house pass the amendment by an overwhelming margin a new Speaker of the House Jason wentworth actually spawned the joint resolution. And this has transparency activists really excited. A group that you may have heard of from the Independent Redistricting Commission that really pushed that amendment, uh, Voters Not Politicians, they have a new set of proposals that they are pushing that includes this. And Nancy Wang is their executive director.
2: These are the kind of anti-democratic practices that kind of pit party against party, but don't work for the voters. And so we're really, really excited to see the legislature you know, taking up these issues to make our government more accountable and hopefully to build trust uh, in people in our institutions.
0: So where are we at with this? Well, it still needs to pass the Senate. And if it makes it out of the state legislature, it would have to be approved by the voters because it's an amendment to the Constitution, which given how often we've seen protesters at the Capitol during lame duck and heard people just really Frustrated during this period of time. I think if it gets to the voters, it has a pretty good shot at passing.
1: Yeah, we shall see. But, you know, again, like you said, it has to get out of the Senate first. That
0: it might prove difficult.
1: Um, you know, I think that there's a difference between the House and the Senate in that a lot of these Republicans in the House, they're they're newer to the legislature, uh, not a lot of experience in some of these lame duck sessions, different situation in the Senate where Republicans in the Senate, they've been doing that for years. A lot of the people that have served there, not only have they been involved in it, but they've been part of those Republican majorities that have really used lame duck in this way and so it'll be interesting to see uh what that how that factors in but you know we are probably still a long way from an end to those crazy November and December nights
0: You had a really great interview with Nancy Wang from Voters Not Politicians about this lame duck legislation, along with some other things and catching up on what's going on in the world of transparency. But before we get to your interview, I'm curious. What is your favorite lame duck memory? Heaven knows we have so many. (laughs) I don't know if...
1: I don't know if favorite is the right word for any of my lame <laughs> memories, honestly. Um, I I do – I have a lot of memories. <laughs> I have a lot of Same. memories <laughs> that I wouldn't share uh, even on this podcast uh, of, of interesting going-ons. Uh, but – I think the thing that I remember the most – now, my introduction – as I talked to to Nancy Wang about this, I also uh, mentioned this in our interview, my introduction to covering the legislature really – was the 2012 lame duck session? Now uh, I know that was a long time ago now for most people, but just to, as a refresher, that's right after the 2012 election, um, and it was when when right to work passed. There were massive mm. protests out on the Capitol lawn. Uh, reporters, including myself, got locked out of the Capitol. I was <laughs> this might be the memory. I was walking out of the Capitol to try to grab something to eat because Shana, as you know, if you don't bring snacks, and I know that was your specialty during lame duck, if you don't bring snacks, you get snacks. hungry <laughs> because you're missing <laughs> meals while you're covering the lame duck. And I, did, I, I, I shirked my duty and did not bring snacks for myself, left to get some food. And then r- literally the second that I walked out of the building in, at the Capitol – Michigan State Police shut the door behind me, and I heard on on one of their radios saying, we're locking down the building, nobody yeah. in or out, <laughs> or nobody nobody else in. And I immediately turned around and said, hey, I'm a reporter. I have to get back to the Senate chamber. They're about to vote on a big bill uh, in, in the next hour or so. And I got I, I couldn't get in. I was stuck. Uh, fortunately, I, I you know, reporters were let back into the building. But, um, man, I don't know if I've ever been more sort of like freaked out. <laughs> that I was not going to be able to do my job. I laugh. It was actually a serious problem at the moment. But, um, you know, that was that was a big one. The other one was the last night of lame duck 2012 after just this slurry of bills, there was right to work. There was the emergency manager law on steroids that passed in the middle of the night, right after voters had mm. gotten rid of the old law. Uh, there was the bill that, uh, you know, created tax breaks for the Illich's to build things like little Caesar's arena. I mean, it was like, there were there were dozens and dozens and dozens of super controversial bills that came through and at 4:30 in the morning yeah 4:30 a.m. after everything was done i remember walking over to then representative lisa brown and asking for one last interview <laughs> lame duck session <laughs> and she just looked at me like are you kidding? <laughs> She's just so, like, you could tell that, um, you know, everyone, everyone was just so exhausted at that point. No one wanted to, no one really wanted to talk. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Shana? I know you've got a few.
0: i definitely got a few. One that, that I actually, that warms my heart is, you know, before I became known as the snack queen of the Capitol reporters, uh, <laughs> I was in a lame duck session. I want to say it was 2016. And this was a, it wasn't too bad of a 20, of a uh, lame duck session. You know, it was nothing compared to what we'd have two years later with, uh, with 2018 and everything that happened then because they we were getting a, a new governor, and the parties were switching and everything. But in 2016, that was the year that Emily Lawler... In her early days as Lansing's cookie maven, she made all of the reporters these cookies shaped like ducks. And they were adorable and tasted amazing. And now Emily has her own cookie shop called The Cookie Press, which I highly recommend. Um, so I will just kind of forever remember this get her giving me this cookie that was shaped like a duck. But it also, I think the duck had like a little crutch, like it was wounded. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> So that was adorable. I mean, that was that was one. And then, you know, like from then on, I, I learned very quickly, like always have snacks. And I, I became very much the the snack person and the person to go to if you needed snacks during Lame Duck or really any potentially late night session. Um, but I think that one story or one thing that happened that to me will always just really be emblematic of lame duck and the problems with it is i would it was oh man it must have been like 3 a.m we had been going 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 for days i mean if this was 2018 they were passing so many i mean you know they wanted to change um you know how to get ballot uh, how to get uh, let measures on the ballot um there were just so many things that they were trying to the republicans were trying to to get passed before uh governor gretchen whitmer a democrat became the governor and so we have been at this for weeks of just like incredibly late nights. And, you know, I think at one point there was a 24 hour day. But anyway, it was we were finally wrapping up uh, on the final morning. So actually, it must have been closer to like 6 a.m. And I'm walking down the aisle to, to go get some water. And I know what representative this was. I will not say who it was uh but they throw another bill up on the board and she's just looking through a stack of papers and she looks up and she goes well now what does this one do And it was just like, exactly, exactly. That is what happens during lame duck. And that is like one of the huge problems that people point out to is these lawmakers can only fit so much in their brain in such a short period of time. And there's just so many bills that are attempted to be passed that they just don't at some point don't know what they're voting on. Um, So, yeah, that's that's one that will forever stick out in my brain.
1: And that problem that you just outlined is exactly why groups like voters, not politicians, are saying, "Look, it's time to end this practice of making it such a such a whirlwind in this period of time where lawmakers are, you you cannot argue against this in my mind, the least accountable. the The period of time where so many lawmakers have the lowest level of accountability and the lowest level of transparency. That is not when we should be passing most of the controversial bills that come up in a legislative session. That is what government uh, ethics and transparency groups are saying. Uh, And of course, Voters Not Politicians is one of those. I got a chance to speak, uh, as you said, with Executive Director Nancy Wang uh, just very, very recently about this. And uh, here's what she had to say about her reaction. Here's my conversation with uh, Voters Not Politicians Executive Director Nancy Wang. So a lot of people reacting to this news this week about lame duck. uh, And one of those people is uh, Nancy Wang of Voters Not Politicians, a group that you might know from Proposal 2 uh, just a couple years ago that uh, created Michigan's new Independent Redistricting Commission, but also now working on a lot of government reforms as well. Uh, Nancy, welcome to Mishmash.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: So uh, just first off, give us your overall reaction to this. Uh, push, this very overwhelming bipartisan push, it looks like, to try to stop this practice we've had in Michigan for a long time of of having these sort of out-of-control lame duck sessions. What, what, what was your reaction when you saw that?
2: Well, we're very excited to see such movement um, on the lame duck issue. Um, and as you said, on such a broad kind of bipartisan uh, basis, we think that's a really great sign. And it's something that uh, you know, these ethics and transparency and accountability reforms um, is something that voters, not politicians, has been advocating for uh, for over a year now because, you know, these are the kind of anti-democratic, um, you know, practices that, that kind of pit party against party but don't work for the voters. And so we're really, really excited to see the legislature, you know, taking up these issues um, to make our government more accountable and hopefully to build trust uh, in people in our institutions
1: some people have proposed getting rid of lame duck altogether and forcing the governor essentially to call a special session if there's an emergency. Why stop short of doing away with lame duck completely and limiting it to you need a super majority of of legislators to to pass anything?
2: Right. So I think the issue that we really saw with lame duck was, you know, unaccountable politicians, um, usually from one party that, you know, really controlled both chambers and the governor's office of cramming through all these bills that don't benefit their voters that you know um really only serve themselves um and so i think this two-thirds majority really gets at that core problem so you won't you know the two-thirds majority is one party cannot steamroll the other during lame duck and then just kind of pass whatever it wants and kind of really it's like the you know while anything goes right And, Mm -hmm. and so we really get rid of that situation um but at the on the other hand you know, there are things that that don't necessarily get accomplished during regular session. You know, there are certainly emergencies that come up, but there's also just kind of general business, you know, um, um, issues that, that need to be dealt with. Um, and so without requiring sort of an extraordinary, you know, calling of a special session, this allows this kind of reform both gets at the core of the problem that we're trying to solve, but then also allows um, there to be efficient, uh, you know, government.
1: What do you make of the strong uh, support and not only just support but the initiation by Republicans in the legislature for this I mean when you think of lame ducks uh, of of your and, and, you know 2018 2012 was the one that I that that introduced me to covering the state legislature was that that uh, lame duck session that saw right to work pass and the emergency manager law pass and just it seemed like Constantly, uh, you know, one bill after another. That was Republican leadership that really initiated that and used that. Uh, what are your What are your thoughts on why Republicans in the legislature have sort of done a one eighty on this?
2: Well, you know, I think uh, part of it. I think a big part is just this kind of uh, public demand, really, and that's kind of what P- voters, not politicians, saw in you know 2018 when we put proposal two on the ballot and then also promote the vote, put proposal three on the ballot. And those really were good government, you know, nonpartisan reforms. Prop three was about voting rights and expanding uh, voting access. And of course, Prop two was to end partisan gerrymandering. And we saw broad, broad support across all parties. You know, Republicans and independents and Democrats came out and a supermajority. passed all of those reforms. And so I think, you know, that politicians are kind of seeing the writing on the wall and saying, "Okay, this is what. People are really voting on this is what, you know, uh, regardless of party affiliation, this is kind of, you know, the democratic, you know, pro-democracy reforms is what people are demanding of our um, politicians right now. So you don't want to be standing on the wrong side of something like, you know, reforming lame duck or, you know, you trying to um, keep all of your financial, uh, you know, interests hidden. You know, these are the kinds of things that voters really will not stand for.
1: There's a more cynical take that I've heard on on all of this that actually has to do with the Independent Redistricting Commission and gerrymandering, and that is that Republicans see the writing on the wall that it's going to be harder for them to retain control of one or both chambers once those lines are redrawn. Of course, an issue that Voters Not Politicians is intimately familiar with and (laughs) and involved with. But I'm curious what you make of that, of the idea that this is, um, you know, a party seeing, look, we don't have full control over the process now, and there's a good chance we won't in the future.
2: Sure. Well, of course, that thought has crossed my mind as well. Right. Um, you know, and, and certainly politicians will act in their self-interest. But I'm really heartened to see, actually, you know, my my hope is that they really are acting in, you know, as their constituents are demanding of them. But but regardless, I'm, I'm encouraged to see that it has had broad bipartisan support of you know, Democrats and Republicans. And it's really not about, you know, which party happens to be in charge. And which party will you know be able to benefit from these um, these unfair practices in the future Um, but you know again sort of whatever the motivations of these politicians that have voted for you know reforming lame duck I think it's a hundred percent in the voters interests and it's going to end uh, with our government being more accountable, um, and then with, you know, the other accountability uh, reforms that we are proposing and advocating for, it's gonna make our government more transparent and more ethical as well.
1: Let's talk a little bit about those proposals. What is in this package of, of proposals that you would really like to see go through to increase uh, government transparency and ethics?
2: Great. Yes. Um, so yeah, as I mentioned, we've really been advocating for an entire package of reforms, and and they really go hand in hand with gerrymandering. So the problem with gerrymandering was you had we had voters who were not satisfied. Again, this is across the board. You know, uh, we're not satisfied with the kind of representation we were getting. We're looking at Lansing, and we're seeing that you know the business of the people is not getting done. They might be fighting with each other, but we are not getting what we need uh, out of our politicians, which of course is to to solve our everyday problems, you know, the the fixing the roads and the infrastructure and, you know, investing in K through 12 and all of that. Um, So by ending gerrymandering and having a citizen's commission draw fair maps in a very, very transparent way that by the constitutional amendment cannot favor one party or the other, You know, another, we now have voters who we basically gave power back to the vote, to the voters, right? So now we can vote people out. The problem then becomes well, how do we make those decisions if we don't know what our politicians are actually doing once they get into Lansing? Right. And so there are unfortunately in Michigan, we're kind of at the bottom of the barrel. And so (laughs) there was a 2015 Center for Public Integrity report that, you know, kind of gave it was like a report card of sorts that gave scores to all the 50 states um, in terms of like, you know, basic ethics and transparency laws. And Michigan ranked 50 out of 50 dead last. We got an F grade, you know. And the reason is because we don't even have basic ethics and transparency laws. Things like, hey, our lawmakers, you know, are prohibited by law from acting in their self-interest, you know, from voting on bills that benefit, you know, their Uber business or their gambling, like, you know, business. We don't even have those laws that in that case, 48 other states have recognized. Well, of course, if you don't have those laws, then you're going to have self-dealing, you're going to have corruption, you know, so we we can get rid of gerrymandering, but we still have this sort of, you know, um we don't, we, we have no information. And then we also have no way of preventing this kind of, you know, um, our lawmakers kind of making their own deals behind, you know, closed doors um, to benefit themselves and special interests. So this accountability package that we're putting forward, you know, that, that we really hope, and we're seeing different parts of it now being, you know, taken up and introduced and really, you know, talked about this term, which is really, really encouraging, but they have to do with, personal financial disclosure. We want to see what businesses you own, you know, so that when bills come up, we'll we'll be like, well, it looks like you should recuse yourself and not vote on this thing because it would put cash in your pockets. Um, And, you know, Representative LeGrand and Heisinga, you know, introduced their package of of these personal financial bills, um, disclosure bills this week. And we were really excited to be part of that uh, announcement of that. And then there's also conflict of interest laws that we actually have no rules right now to prevent anyone from voting on something for which they have a conflict of interest, which is, again, really mind boggling and, um, you know, really out of the norm uh, compared to other states and open records, you know, we want to see um, who are lawmakers meeting with, right? When they introduce bills, who wrote those bills? Was it industry? You know, was it um, you know a donor? Um, again, we don't have any open records that um, that we um, we can get from the executive office um, or the legislature. Um, And then there's things like reforming lame duck, uh, which, of course, is when you can a legislature, you know, if a one party controls both chambers, they can just cram through as many unpopular, controversial bills, you know, um, as they want. And of course, in 2018, like you alluded to early, we we saw a, a horrible abuse of lame duck when, you know, 340 bills were signed, so many of which were introduced by Elected officials who had just been voted out or, you know, got termed out. So, um, so all of those things, I think, taken together. And, and that's the, the part two that's really important is taken together because as a package, they'll let us have information we need to make decisions as voters for who we want to keep representing us in government.
1: And and you talk about the revolving door uh, in these in this package in Lansing, something that anyone who spent any time in Lansing knows pretty well. I remember when I, uh, you know, after my first session in the legislature as a reporter, going to a. a a committee hearing and looking over and seeing a lawmaker who I knew was termed out, but he was sitting in the audience. And I thought, I turned to a reporter friend of mine and I said, what's he doing here? He's not in the legislature anymore. Why would he just be sitting in the audience for this? And he said, oh, he's a lobbyist now. He works for so-and-so. And I was like, That was a week ago that he was just in this chamber. And so that was that, you know, it's that kind of thing that I think is pretty uh, it's telling right of of what uh, what goes on in Lansing. Um, And and so talk a little bit more about that revolving door and how these bills very specifically would try to end that practice or at least curb it in some way.
2: Right. So the issue of the revolving door is, you know, there there is this open channel basically between your legislature and your lobbying firms where, you know, everyone knows that the lobbyists go and they try to schmooze and, you know, they try to get their interests, um, you know, kind of met. Uh, by the legislature. Um, and then of course, you know, these, these special interests, they have a lot of influence. They have a lot of money, you know, to, to um, contribute to candidate campaigns and all of that. Um, and, and, but there should be, and I think everyone would agree that, you know, your legislatures are they're voted in by the people, right? So it should be their, the people and their voters interest that the lawmaker has um, at their, you know, in their heart when they're making these um uh, these votes on these bills. Yet, if there's sort of this cozy relationship um, between lawmakers and lobbyists, then, you know, there is this number one, there's an imp- uh, appearance of impropriety, right? It just looks like, wait a minute, like, is something going on where the lawmakers paying more attention to, you know, the industry. Um, but then when you actually physically have a lawmaker You know, you're right. I mean, walk across the street the day after they're, you know, termed out of office or voted out of office, join this lobbying firm, usually for, you know, they're very, very well paid. And then the reason they're hired by the lobbying firm is because the lobbying firm wants them to make use of their connections, right, that they gained while they're a lawmaker so that they want to just be able to stroll into their you know, the offices of of their former colleagues and kind of, you know, have a back kind of channel and um, potentially influence those, you know, those current lawmakers decisions. So, you know, all of those things are, and and like you also mentioned, that actually happens, right? Like we know that that happens. And, you know, that's just another example of ways in which, you know, the people, when you see that those kinds of things, it's so hard to um, have faith in our lawmakers to know that they're doing the right thing, that they have our interests at heart. Um, and it's another very, very basic thing that we can do um, is to pass laws to kind of prevent this or, you know, to at least have a cooling period between when you can work as a lobbyist after you've um, served in the legislature. So our reform would be. Our proposal would be to have a cooling off period where for a number of years, let's say two years or four years after you've gotten out of office, you know, you can't then during that you know short period of time, like you can't go um, and work for a lobbyist.
1: Talk again about. The level of trust in government now, you've been touching on that, but again, the, the, the fact that uh, what you're doing here um, has to do with that. I mean, essentially, that's what's at its core, that, you know, when it comes to um, knowing what the lawmaker, what lawmakers are doing and also trusting that they're doing it in good faith. Um, uh, you know, it, it seems like this is a time in 2021 where trusting government overall is, is at a low point.
2: I agree with you. I think public trust in our government is at a low point. And there's two things about that. So one is that's really unfortunate. You know, all of the attacks on our democracy that we've seen um, recently with the last election, but even before that. Um, But then it also presents an opportunity. Um, And that's where I get a lot of hope is that we saw um, in 2018 with our redistricting reform campaign, you know, 61% of voters came out and for it. This is after everyone told us, no, no, it's going to be seen as a partisan issue. But that was not the case, because we took the case to the voters and said, hey, this is a way that voters could hold, you know, politicians accountable, hence our name. (laughs) And it really resonated with people, right? Like, we want the voters back in the center of politics. And, you know, what I see as encouraging is that, you know, lawmakers are recognizing that, if you don't have the trust of the voters, that that doesn't help them, right? It certainly doesn't help our democracy function. It doesn't help them when they're trying to get things done that they care about, you know, when there's no cooperation across the aisle. Um, And so, you know, I'm really, I'm thinking that this really is a, a great opportunity. And I'm, I'm starting to see signs that our lawmakers think so as well, which I think, you know, that's, a big reason why I'm really hopeful that this will actually happen this term, um, where the voters are demanding ethics and transparency, the lawmakers are recognizing how important that is, and that we can all work toward the goal of passing, you know, a robust ethics, transparency, and accountability package to finally kind of build the government in Michigan that that we all need in order to solve our, our everyday problems.
1: And before I let you go, I wanted to ask you to for, for an update on the redistricting process. Uh, you know, we, we have a commission now. We have uh, people leading that commission. Tell us what stage we're in with that and what we should expect.
2: Yeah, well, we're really, really excited to see that functioning so well. We have a 13-member commission now. Um, you know, what the voters approved is... Uh, 13 everyday Michiganders who um, wanted to, you know, apply to be on the commission. There are four Democrats, four Republicans, and five who are either independents or third party supporters. They come from all over the state. They're very, very diverse. And you can watch any of their meetings, you know, live, um, their webcast or, you know, on YouTube. And you can just see the sort of business, uh, the people being done, right? They They kind of have discussions. They have questions for each other. They get public comment. Um, so at which they have to respond to. Um, and, and right now where they are is they've just released a public hearing schedule um, because really what their job is, is to, um, to facilitate these conversations between people and the public uh, because their job is to draw district lines that keep our communities together. But they don't know, of course, where our communities are. And so they need public input, you know, and, and maps, hopefully, that, that people will draw and submit to them. And then they can see like, okay, you know, what do they have to work with? Because again, their job is to keep our communities together. And um, so they're starting out a process and then they're going to be approving maps by um, the end of the year, although it looks like with the census delays that might have to be pushed out just a little bit. So, so for voters, not politicians, what we're doing is we're trying to get the word out, you know, encourage as many people to participate as possible or giving them support and resources and helping them, you know, with mapping software. And And we're really, really, really excited.
1: And of course, you know, the voters, not politicians, you uh, it, you know, is the group that really uh, initiated this. But um, I, I assume that you you also view your role now is to make sure that the commission is functioning as, as it should. There was some concern about a commission like this that, although it's no longer in politicians' hands, that political consultants and other people, insiders, could, could influence the, the decision-making process. At this stage of what you're seeing, what are your thoughts on, on the influence of, of Lansing insiders and political consultants on the process?
2: Well, sure. I mean, that would be your first concern, right? It's like, you know, this is so much power is at stake and and there's a reason why, you know, the political parties went to such lengths in the past um, to kind of, you know, spend so much time and money, frankly, to draw the districts that they, they wanted. Um, but, you know, I think with all of this in mind, of course, and our, our, uh, goal was to, to try to undo that process altogether, um, is we accounted for it in the, in the constitutional amendment. So everything in in the language of the constitution is clear, all redistricting business, any kind of conversations about redistricting have to be out in the open. They have to be talked about in open meetings. And frankly, you know, if, if anyone is violating the Constitution, well, then, you know, then we're going to be there for sure. We're paying close attention and to protect the integrity of the process. But I will say, um, you know, we, we have been following every meeting and we hear time and time again from the commissioners themselves how seriously they take this. And they understand um, kind of the rules um, that they have to um, operate by. And and they take transparency, um, you know, really seriously, because that's at the heart of making all of this happen in a way that it is fair and impartial and, of course, transparent, which is what the voters voted for.
1: Nancy Wang is the executive director of Voters, Not Politicians. Thank you so much for joining us on Mishmash. Really appreciate you taking the time.
2: Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it.
1: Well, that's all for Mishmash this week. I'm Jake Neer.
0: And I'm Shana Roth. Thanks for tuning in.